The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all back. But let me tell you, we have a great guest on today, and I'm excited to have him. He's the president of Beal Capital, Stuart Beal. Stuart, thanks for joining us this morning. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm doing great. Great. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Before we get started uh, with your story, and I know you got a good one for us today, I wanted to give a chance for everyone to hear your origin story, where you're from, how you got into real estate, and what you were kind of doing in real estate these days. Okay, great. Yeah, I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I grew up in Ann Arbor. And Go I blue. grew up in an entrepreneur. Yeah, exactly. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family and kind of caught the entrepreneurial bug when I was 13. I started a lawn care company like a lot of teenagers do. But by the time I was 19, I had about 400 customers. And I actually sold that business for $250,000 when I was 19. And the deal I struck with the buyer was $50,000 down and $1,482 a month for 10 years. And that allowed me to do two things. Uh, The first thing that allowed me to do is uh, create my first real estate investment with the $50,000. And then the second thing that allowed me to do is uh, stay being an entrepreneur uh, because I had that $1,482 coming in a month that kind of set a base for my living expenses. And I was able to you know, take risks and, and be an entrepreneur. So when I was 19, I bought a five unit in Ypsilanti, Michigan on Eastern Michigan University campus. I did a glorified house hack where I was living in one of the units and managing four of the, the units. And that's how I got started in real estate. And then now, 19 years later, I've invested in 6,000 apartments in five states, uh, Michigan, Ohio, Georgia, Alabama, North and South Carolina. So that's six states, actually. And we manage my management company. We don't manage everything I'm invested in because we don't manage things in in states in which we're not strong. But we manage 3,000 single family homes, apartments and office spaces within a one hour driving distance of Ypsilanti slash Ann Arbor, Michigan in about 37 cities in Southeast uh, Detroit, Southeast Michigan, excuse me. And we manage properties for ourselves. We manage properties for real estate syndications we sponsor. And then we'd be glad to manage any real estate that you own in the state of Michigan. We charge about 8% of the the monthly rent. Man, that's awesome. I I love that. I mean, when you say you got bitten by the entrepreneurial bug, you really did, you know, at a young age and turned that into, you know, parlayed what started, I'm sure is, most people would assume like a harmless, like summer gig into a long-term real estate career. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one of the best success stories we've heard on the show in a long time. So, so tell me, Stuart, I mean, you, you got a lot of success. You got a lot of different things you guys do, but I would imagine in, in that you've had some struggles, some challenges, even failures along the way. With, and, and that's what we want to talk about today and, and educate our audience on is kind of those backstories, the things that we don't always talk about. What comes to mind uh, from your experience that you could maybe educate our audience on a, a something that you've gone through and learned from? Yeah. So the number one concern you have on investing in real estate and really the only way to just totally lose all of your equity and, and lose everything is if your property is not properly insured. And 
I have made that mistake before. The worst real estate investment I ever did was a situation where the building was vacant and the insurance quotes were so astronomical that I decided uh, not to purchase uh, insurance for the property until such time we had it partially occupied, in which case the insurance quotes would be much lower. And unfortunately, that building burned to the ground. An arsonist broke in and, and burned that building to the ground. And so my investors and I lost uh, pretty much everything in, in that deal. And so, you know, you might see low hanging fruit, you might see what you think are attractive uh, real estate uh, opportunities out there. But if you can't do them right, meaning hire a good manager, have a good plan and uh, buy affordable insurance, then you just shouldn't do the deal at all. You know, I thought it was a great deal, a very cheap price, vacant property. We're going to do this whole thing. But if you, if you can't do it right, don't do it. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to people about they want to buy this property that's so tough, so hard, it's so cheap. And I, and I say, you know, well, the plan's just not going to come together or it's going to be too tough. Like instead, spend your money on a nice duplex in a nice neighborhood and do a nice job as opposed to just beating your head against the wall, you know, on this tough real estate project. It's just going to be too much pain. And so that, that's the number one thing. And there, there's a lot of ways to insure your property. I mean, you could talk to an insurance agent about a dozen different things. But the, the main thing is, if this property burns to the ground, what happens? And that's what you need to know from your insurance agent. You know, he'll tell you about what happens when the sewer backs up or when a little bit of wind damage happens or maybe a car hits the building. None of that really matters compared to the fact is, you know, all right, let's just get to the bottom line. If this building burns to the ground, what happens? And what you, what you want to hear him say is, at a minimum, uh, the insurance company will step up and pay you enough money to pay off your loan and pay, off, but, and pay you enough money so that your equity is made whole. Um, now, he could tell you they'll pay a lot more, and that's great, but that's the minimum. And that's the really the only way to just really get crushed is not have your uh, building properly insured. And I've, I've done 400 or more real estate deals, and so I'm talking about just one of them but it's something I think of every day. Well, it's a valuable lesson. I mean, it's one of the things that that you learned and it's probably helped propel you with the other 399 plus deals that you've done from a real estate perspective is you learn from that one experience what not to do and why you don't go cheap on something like insurance. You know, friend of the show, Jeremy Goodrich, we, we recently had him on and he taught, you know, he he's an insurance agent, but he talked about the same thing of, if you can't make the numbers work with the right insurance plan, then the numbers don't work. It's not right. a good. That's it's not exactly, a good investment. That's exactly right. That's that's the exact lesson that I'm trying to say is you know don't don't mess with your insurance cost. You know if the deal doesn't work with the proper insurance, you just can't do the deal. And there's always more deals. That's another valuable lesson is you know I analyze deals and every single one I wanted I want to make work and I play with the numbers and I I try to get them to work, but you know, so many don't work and you just move on, you know, don't get too attached. You know? Yeah. Well, listen, I, I'm a big fan. Uh, I listened to for years, I was in B2B sales and I listened to this, this show, this podcast for, for well over five years called the advanced selling podcast. And two of their or three, their three founding principles are positive mindset, theory of abundance and the theory of detachment. And that, was great when I was in B2B sales. But what I found is it also parlays over to what we do here in real estate, which is you got to have a positive mindset because you're going to hear a lot of no's or see, you know be able to have to pass on a lot of deals that you're underwriting. Uh, just a lot of them won't work 
or you're going to get told, no, you're not going to get the best and final, whatever it may be. The other one, the theory of abundance, there's always more deals to be had. You could underwrite a hundred a month, but there's always another deal that you can go find and underwrite. And that one might pencil out. And then the last one is the theory of detachment. You can't want the deal more than, more than the deal actually works. You can't force, you know, square peg round hole and say, you know, this, I just want this deal. So I'm going to make it work. That's where I think what you're saying, Stuart, people get into trouble when they try to make that kind of stuff happen. They're cutting corners or they're, they're, they're shaving off very important things like insurance from, from their underwriting to make it work where that's not the best approach. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a, I, you know, I'm a strong believer that you do need to take some risks in your underwriting and you need to, you know, put chips on the board. So when you get lucky, you, you, you win big, but just don't mess with the insurance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause to your point, if a catastrophe happens, that is literally the worst case scenario. And the insurance is literally there to, you know, recoup all the, the, what you had in the deal. And if you don't have it, well, then it's just a catastrophe and you've lost all your money. And that's a very expensive lesson. I know you, you know, some of us are thinking, Hey, we could save a little bit on the front end. What if it doesn't happen? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of what ifs, but you don't want to mitigate that type of risk. That's exactly right. Yeah. So let me ask you, you know, with all these deals, you know, and, and you're talking to other people, when you think about things like insurance, that's important. Are there any other aspects that you would tell people that when you're sharpening the pencil, you're trying, you're going into best and final to not use the magic eraser on to, to cut out of their deal or their underwriting outside of insurance? Yeah. I mean, the really, really the only thing that you can mess with is uh, turns. You know, when you go into a deal, turns are often your most expensive yearly expense. And so you want, <clears throat> you want to really assume how many turns you're going to do. And let's say, you know, you know, doing 20 turns in one year and 10 turns in one year is a huge difference. And so that's where I'm talking, you know, you might say, okay, this deal works if I have to do 10 turns a year. It's not going to work up to 20 turns a year. Let's hope I only do 12, you know, something like that. But most of the other costs are pretty, pretty fixed. And you need to, you know, look at the seller's numbers and then, you know, realize that they may not be 100% accurate and kind of use some experience too to, to try to, sh- to shake it out. That's the way I do it. I like that. And I mean, that's, that's probably the safest route, right? You don't want to assume anything more or assume appreciation that you're not looking to force into the property through some sort of like renovation or, or check against the rent comps. Like you, there's a lot of things that you can move or play with on that spreadsheet, but you were honestly shouldn't because if it doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And it depends, you know, it depends how experienced you are. It depends how risk adverse you are. It depends, you know, if this thing, if this thing breaks even or loses a little bit of money in the first year, where are you going to get the money to make up for that? Do you have it? If you do, okay, you can take a little bit more risk than the next guy. You know, it kind of all depends on where your personal situation is as well. Right. And, and to your point, I've heard some people talking about how they get creative. You know, they, they look at a floor plan and they see the, the unit mix is not great. There's a bunch of, you know, one bedrooms, like overwhelming majority one bedrooms, but there's a wall that they can knock down to make it a two bedroom and do that sort of stuff. But if you're not an experienced operator or know how to do that or, or have a good contractor that can help you with that, I, that maybe not, <laughs> that's probably not the first deal that you want to tackle is doing that kind of major renovation unless you do have somebody experienced either on your team or partnering with you for something like that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. And, and we're talking about unsuccess stories. So the next, you know, the next thing is don't do deals that are beyond your team's uh, skill set. That's another, you know, strong example. I mean, I, I just did a deal this summer. I had some investors in. I already regret it. I think it's going to be fine, but I already regret it just because it was too much work. But I bought I bought a frat house that needed a $100,000 renovation. And that $100,000 renovation was just so painful compared to the fact that I could have just not bought that and maybe bought like three or four others with the same time and effort and use those guys that did that 100,000 renovation to, to help me buy three or four others. And it was just a little a little too a little too tough. But, you know, when you're buying a deal, you need to make sure that you or your team can handle what needs to happen. So if you're buying a deal where you need to do a bunch of renovation, you better have a good person on your team to do renovation. If you're buying a deal that's going to need to rapidly increase rents, you better have someone on a board that's willing and able to do that because if if you're missing pieces of the team it's just not going to it's just not going to work. Yep. I mean, running theme on the show, make sure that you have the right people on your team to help you be successful and, and don't bite off more than what you're able to do at those points in time. Stuart, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Probably a good enough spot as ever to wrap up. I, I think talking about the, the importance of insurance and, and making sure that you're not forcing a deal to go through by cutting corners, especially things like insurance, it, it is one of the most valuable things we've heard because it can lead to a, a catastrophic type event that, like you guys had. But Stuart, I, I want to thank you for jumping on, talking with us, talking with the audience, educating us. For those that want to work with you, learn from you, even invest with you, where's the best place people can find you at? Yeah, so uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn and Facebook, so you can friend me or uh, do it that way. I, I uh, respond to Messenger on both of those websites. And then also my email address is sbeal at gobeal.com. That's S-B-E-A-L at gobeal.com. And then we also have a website for our fundraising, which is bealcapital.com. Perfect. We'll drop all those links in the show notes for everyone so you can easily find those. Stuart, again, thank you for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And we'll catch everyone next time. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.